Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, very warm greetings to you, my dear friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God. I thank God for you. I thank you that you have been uh, listening to this broadcast for some time, or some of you Maybe this is the very first time, but in either case, I am grateful to God for you listening, and I've already been praying that your life and my life will be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus through the listening of the preaching of the Word of God, and more importantly than the preaching of the Word of God, the reading of the Word of God, the, the explaining of the Word of God as well. And um, so are you ready to hear the Word of God? Are you ready for the Word of God? You know, my friends, one of the greatest tragedies in the history of Israel can be seen in the lives and the history of the Pharisees, which we read about so, uh, so much in the four Gospels. Now, originating in what is called the intertestamental period. What is that? Well, that's the the 400 years between the last prophet of the Old Testament and the coming of Jesus. These men, these religious leaders, these teachers of Israel, they began well. That's the important thing to know about the Pharisees. They began well. They began with a desire to teach the people of Israel sound doctrine and to protect the people of Israel from pagan influence uh, from the Greeks and the Romans. And they had a great devotion to the Word of God, but they eventually strayed from it and became hard-hearted against the God that they used to worship. And why is that? It's because they came to love the approval of men more than his approval. They didn't guard their hearts. They became greedy for fame and for finances. And in order to save themselves, that is to protect themselves, they made sure that everyone believed that they were more holy more righteous than everyone else. And so they paraded themselves as godly men when, in fact, by the time of Jesus, they were mere hypocrites, full of uh, hard hearts and hypocrisy. And they ended up actually opposing God and rejecting the Messiah that they said that they were waiting for and believing for. They, they opposed God. They rejected his word. They elevated oral tradition, their own teaching. And they did everything that they could to keep people from following Jesus. 
This is an urgent reminder for all of us, my friends, to guard our hearts with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. That is Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. You see, the Pharisees stand as a warning to all Christians and all Christian leaders for all time that it's not how we begin, but it's how we end the Christian life that counts. And the only way that we can meet the challenge to end well, like Paul the Apostle did, is to guard our hearts on a daily basis. We'll end today's message with how to do that. But the title today is The Grave Danger of a Hard Heart. The Grave Danger of a Hard Heart from Luke chapter 14 and verses 1 through 6 as we continue our series called the Know Your Faith series, studying through our faith in the Gospel of Luke verse by verse. Before we go into the Word of God, let's first pray. Would you join me? Father, thank you again for every listener. But we all come together and thank you most of all for your Word. We thank you most of all, Holy Spirit, that you are the only one that really can teach us. You alone are the one that opens our eyes, our ears, our hearts to see and hear and receive the word and allow your word to change us and transform us into the image of Jesus for the glory of the Father. And now, Holy Spirit, we ask, come and do that work in us and by the way we respond, let us bear great fruit presently and eternally, again, for the glory of the Father and of the Son, for the salvation of the unsaved, and for the deepening of your church in our faith. And we ask these things in the name of the only Savior of the world, Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, my friends, since their days, God has always intended to use the horrible examples of the Pharisees as a warning for all Christians and all Christian leaders ever since that time. But tragically, too many Christians and too many Christian leaders refuse to learn from their examples, from the examples of the Pharisees. And they end up, if we don't learn from those examples, we end up becoming modern day Pharisees and ultimately false teachers, false representatives of Jesus Christ. You see, the Pharisees loved the approval of men more than they love the approval of God. Paul addresses that in Galatians chapter 1, how easy it is to say the right things and to present ourselves as someone that we're not so that we can gain the approval of men. And that's exactly what the Pharisees did, and, and Jesus exposed them for the religious frauds that they were, but he did it with the heart of redemption. He was always trying to get them 
to humble themselves and to repent of their sins. Some did, but most of them didn't. And Luke wants his readers to understand the weightiness of the situation in the passage that we're going to read right now. Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Luke 14, beginning in verse 1. Now it happened that when he, Jesus, went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him closely. And there, verse 2, and, and there in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. This is a, a swelling of the soft tissue in someone's body and then the accumulation of excess water. Today, it's probably called uh, edema, which is due to congestive heart failure. So the body bloats, and, it, and it's, it, it can be deadly. And Jesus answered, verse 3, and spoke to the lawyers, that is the scribes, and the Pharisees, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? or not. And they kept silent. And he took hold of him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, which one of you will have a son or an ox fall into a well and will not immediately pull him out on a Sabbath day? And they could make no reply to this. You see, what the Pharisees had done is they take they, they took the Sabbath, which was was made for man, that is for his rest and and recuperation and renewal. And they made, they added so many man-made rules uh, on the Sabbath that it became a bondage rather than a joy to the extent that they were livid with Jesus when Jesus did the right thing, honoring the Father and ministering to people on the Sabbath. And all he did was set people free and heal them just like he did right there. And the Pharisees viewed that as breaking the Old Testament law, when nothing in the Old Testament forbids the healing of people on the Sabbath, the doing of good works on the Sabbath. That's why they could not answer him. They knew the word of God, but their hearts were so hardened, and yet they continued to portray themselves as holy and righteous and as those that kept the Mosaic law. So Jesus is, is in this home to eat, in, in the home of one of the, the, the leaders of the Pharisees, so that he would have been one of the members of the Sanhedrin, that is, uh, the 70 ruling leaders of all Israel. Most of them were Sadducees. Now, so this gathering would have been in a wealthy, impressive home, 
And that sets the tone for more of our Lord's teaching. As we're going to see later, the house was full of people who were full of self-importance and excessive pride while presenting themselves, as I say, as godly, holy, above all others. And this reminds me of Paul's warning to believers in the church of Rome when he says simply in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Beloved, what is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is intentionally carrying ourselves or presenting ourselves as someone that we are not, and we know it. That is, behind the scenes, we are not the kind of people that we want people to think that we are when when they're around us. I'm not talking about um, those, those of us who know that we need Jesus, know that we sin, and and but we don't try to present ourselves as being so mature that we're beneath the need to repent or act like we are better than we really are. A a someone that is not a hypocrite is someone that is humble, someone that is open and honest, accountable, sincere, genuine. But a hypocrite is just the opposite of all of these things. Now, the godly man or woman will always strive to combine the truth of God's word with the love of God. Let's hold our place in Luke. And let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and take a look at the greatest definition of love anywhere in Scripture. This tells us whether we are hypocrites or not. This tells us whether we're mature in our faith or not. This tells us whether we're growing in maturity or not, because it's a mirror that we can hold up to ourselves to determine if we're walking in love or if we are not walking in love. Look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Paul says to the church, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, and this is what the church in in Corinth was lacking. They had all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they had no love. So Paul says, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Well, that should prompt the listener and the reader to want to know what does love look like? What does love act like? How do I know whether I'm walking in love? Well, Paul tells us, 
in the next four verses. He says, love is patient. That is, it is steadfast. It, it, it takes a long time before it fumes or breaks into flames. Love is patient. It, it chooses to move in patience when things are not going our way, when someone is attacking us, when someone is mistreating us, it chooses to move in the opposite spirit. Love is kind. That word means to be gracious, to be well disposed to others. That is to really, in a sense, it means to put to, to consider others as more important than ourselves by the way we behave, by the way we treat them. Someone might be mean to us or sin against us. We respond in kindness rather than in retaliation. And that, that requires the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. Love is not jealous, Paul says. That word means to boil with envy. And so when we see someone that has something we don't have, it could be looks, it could be fame, it could be money, it could be uh, that others speak well of them, it, it, it could be just a number of other things. And we then boil with envy inside because they have something that we think we need to have or we should have, and it leads us to anger instead. That is not love. Love does not brag or boast. That's that's refers to one who talks a lot and acts presumptuously, ostentatiously. Someone who basically is saying, look at me, listen to me, Look at my accomplishments. Look at how great I am. They may not say it, but their actions demonstrate that they live a lifestyle of boasting. They want attention. They are self-centered. They want all the focus to be upon them rather than them looking to bless others and consider others as more important than themselves. Do you know people like that? And it's not arrogant. That word means to think that you are above everybody else, or, and it also involves looking down on anyone that doesn't match your standard, your level, your desires, Whatever it is, you look down on others. It does not act, verse 5, unbecomingly. What does that mean? It, mean? it means to behave indecently or in a shameful manner. Indecently in the way someone dresses, the way one someone speaks, the, one, the way that someone flaunts himself or herself. Love does not act unbecomingly. We live in a, a generation, the Instagram generation, where mostly women 
dress like prostitutes. They wouldn't say they're dressing like prostitutes, but they dress as sensually as they can in order to gain attention and to become rich off of their looks. And men are just as guilty doing the same thing. It may be trying to demonstrate their muscles or their physique or uh, their cars or their boats or their homes or any of those, anything that draws attention to ourselves and seeks to lift up ourselves above others, to make others impress with us, that is acting unbecomingly. Paul goes on and he says it does not seek its own. You see, that that is an example of selfishness, of pride. Look at me. Meet my needs. Come to my way of thinking. It's not provoked. That means that someone that is easily provoked is easily irritated, touchy. It refers basically to selfishness. And so again, the way to combat that is through choosing to walk in humility and in self-control, really in all of the fruit of the Spirit. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. That means that, that love refuses to resent. And instead, love chooses to forgive rather than to rehearse what that person did. That person uh, offended me. That person, I hate that person. I wish that person was dead. I wish that I want that person to go to hell. Maybe it's not even that extreme. But it constantly takes into account a wrong suffered. You did this to me. You failed to do this for me. It's all about me, my, I, rather than about the Lord and his interests and seeking to be his blessing to others. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. You see, Love and truth must go together. It bears all things. That is to cover in the sense of a roof being covered, to support. It holds up people. It bears all things. It believes all things. That is, it believes the best before it seeks to criticize hopes all things, endures all things. That word endure, hupomone, means to bear with patiently, to endure with hope. It's never a complaining or despondent endurance, but with blazing hope, knowing that whatever someone has to go through is going to end well in a redemptive way. Love never fails. You see, my friends, if we choose to walk in love that way, 
then we will be free from from hypocrisy because we will be more concerned about what the Lord thinks of us than about what man thinks about us. We will not be concerned to impress people, but only to please God. We won't attack people like the Pharisees did with Jesus. We won't use people like the Pharisees did with Jesus. That man suffering with dropsy, the Old Testament law in Leviticus 15 considered that man to be unclean. He was not to be in a crowd of people, much less to be invited to a meal. Now, the Pharisees knew that, but they brought that man in anyway because they knew that Jesus would heal him, and they disobeyed the law by bringing him in. And worse than that, they failed in the first two commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, because they 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 brought this man in as a prop to test Jesus and to do what they wanted, and that was to accuse Jesus of breaking the Sabbath. They didn't care about the man whatsoever. That tells us they had no love whatsoever. That is hypocrisy. When Jesus confronted them with these questions to get them to humble themselves and repent, they refused. They kept silent. They couldn't reply to him. And so, my friends, this example right here, only a short example, only six verses, is forevermore a challenge to all of us to daily guard our hearts against pride, against selfishness, against self-seeking, against the desire to promote ourselves. And instead, it exhorts us to humility, to patience, to love, to looking to the Lord for His approval, His promotion, His timing, rather than trying to advance our own agenda. Now, I said at the beginning I would give you some examples of how to avoid these things. And the first thing in my mind, there are many ways that we can avoid these things, but we must live a lifestyle of daily asking the Father for more of the Holy Spirit. Luke already covered that in chapter 11. Daily ask Him for more of the Holy Spirit. Daily ask Him to fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. And then working together with the Holy Spirit to learn to cultivate sensitivity to Him by learning to commune with Him throughout the day in prayer, in meditation on His Word. And then, secondly, we should allow, we must allow ourselves to be open to correction from Him, either directly or indirectly through others. And when we learn to live this way, my friends, when we're free of self, self-seeking, we are joyful. We are a blessing to others. We live life with purpose. 
We walk in our destiny. We glorify the Lord. We build this church. We are, we are able to share the gospel with others as they watch our lives. And so I want to ask you, have you been living? Which way have you been living? Which way do you want to live? If you want to live a lifestyle pleasing to the Lord, then let me pray for you right now. Father, for all the listeners, including myself, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from all self-seeking, and help us to value humility more than anything else. Help us to value obedience to you more than anything else, even if it means we're hidden. Help us to value loving you and loving others just as we love you and love ourselves. Forgive us from all unrighteousness and help us to live lives that please you. We ask these things in faith in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradably.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after him in every way. Oh,